John, for sharing that. Um, I, want, I want to take the elements together. Uh, there, I think there's power. There's power in that as, as a body, unified together, taking communion. So I'll let these ladies pass these out. I think, I think there's a, I think even like myself included in this, I think there's a few people in here that, that need this time and need this moment. Maybe their hearts, hearts are heavy. It's been a long week. A lot of ups, ups and downs. But Jesus, Jesus knew we were going to have these trials. He knew that we were going to go through these things. And so that's, that's why he, he sat his disciples around a, a table and he said, I, I, want you, I want you to remember what these, these pieces represent, what this brings you into four moments like this and so that's why I say I, I believe there's some people in here that, that need this moment dearly to say Lord I, I, I want to remember your body I want to remember what your blood means that Lord you paid you paid the ultimate sacrifice for something I deserved you put your body on a cross for something I, <laughs> I deserved. And I was, I was telling someone this past week that same thing of this. This is a key moment in Revelation that needs to happen in our lives to say, I am a filthy, sinful person. And I'm standing before a judge. And I have to realize that. I have to realize that I have to pay a punishment for, for what I've done and who I am. And this is a, this is a judge that's just. And so he sees what, what I have done. I have to come to that moment right there to realize that point. But the greater point to this is, is this right here. Jesus is going to step in right in the middle of that and say, no, no, no. I got this. You go, you go and walk free. Because I'm going to pay, pay the price that you deserve. And I'm going to do it even though you are a sinner. I'm going to do that piece right there. And so as we take these, I want you guys to open up the bread. Lord, thank you for the body broken for, for us. Thank you for what this represents. I pray we sit here, just in your presence. I, I can feel your presence so thick right now. That I don't, I don't just put this and, and, and take this in, but Lord, I, I, I realize what this signifies. Thank you for your body that you broke for us. On a cross, you stepped in for something we deserved, even though we didn't even realize it, or we realized we realize how sinful we were you loved us so much. So thank you, Lord, for your body you broke for us. And it, it doesn't stop there, though. He said, I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to wash you clean. Lord, thank you for what this cup represents. 
Thank you for the blood you shed on the cross that makes us white as snow. I'm so guilty of so many things. So many things, Lord. But it didn't matter to you because you love me unconditionally. And your, your blood shed on the cross washes us clean in that moment. And I thank you and I remember that. And I want to walk in that truth. That all of the stuff that I've done, all of my past, all my history is, is, is done and, and, and gone. Because of what this cup represents. So Lord, I thank you for the blood shed for us, shed for me. I pray that I do not lose sight ever, Lord. In these moments, and in the, in the moments to come, Lord, anytime I partake of, of, of a meal, Lord, I want to remember you. And I think we would all, all realize throughout our days, there are numerous, there's not just one moment when we have a struggle. There are probably numerous times, and I say, Lord, I, I pray you, you remind us numerous times throughout the day of what this does for us, of the, <laughs> the blood that washes us clean so we can walk in that, Lord. So as we partake of this cup, Lord, thank you for the blood shed. Lord, make your, make your presence so, so thick in here, so real in here this morning. Whatever you have in store for us, Lord, we're on your time, not ours. I'm so pumped, Zach, just setting the tone, setting the tone from that. Right from the beginning, we are not on our own time. We're not on our own appetite. We're on yours, Lord. So I, I pray just your, your blessings all over this service today. In your name we pray. So what I'm feeling like we should do is kind of something that we have been doing for those who um, the last, I think, like maybe two or three Sundays, um, Nick has been reiterating these important moments of as a body, as a, as a, as a, as a group of believers, as a family, um, that we can sit before the Lord and just worship him, um, even if it's without instruments. And I know that has even been, in a sense, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, challenging for me um, because I was kind of, when I was raised in, in doing ministry and stuff, uh, one of the biggest rules that I was always told was uh, we can't have awkward moments. Uh, the transitionings have to be smooth. Um, we can't leave room for people to feel weird or awkward of the silence. And, um, you know, I just think of, of Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration when, when his glory is shining through Jesus, and, and Peter, God bless Peter, um, just starts speaking. He's like, it's really good that I'm here. And as he's speaking, it's like almost like God just comes down and just like puts his hand over his mouth. 
And I just, in these moments of like glory, these moments of like God's goodness, deep down we always want to say something or explain something. In reality, some of the most powerful moments is when we can just sit before the Lord in his presence and just be thankful that we actually get to experience his glory here on earth. And that was something that was um, not taken lightly throughout the, the Bible. And so what I want to do is, is I want to have uh, another uh, time for that in this moment. So um, if you guys, like Nick says, if, if you have a, a song that, that glorifies him, a worship song that we just want to sing uh, together, um, just go ahead and, and sing it, and then, um, you know, we'll join it. But I just want to minister to the Lord in this time and just thank him, because if it wasn't for him, none of us would even be here right now. Amen. Um, he is so good, and I think that's, it's, it's, when we understand how good he is, we can't help but to just thank him and love on him and worship him and give him praises because he is so good, he is so mighty, um, his, his love endures forever, and he is such a, a good, good father, amen. So let's just take this time. Lord, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. Lord, you are holy and you are worthy, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for life. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord. For your mercies that are new every morning, God. Lord, let this time together just be a beautiful fragrance to you, God. And we just give you the praise and the honor, Lord. Just give you the honor and the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I think these times are are really important for us. I think they're challenging in a good way. Um, you know, when it pertains to worship, you know, I can can't really speak for everyone else, but I can speak for myself of the mindset that I was in in the very, very beginning of my walk with the Lord. Um, I had more of a fear of man than I did to fear the Lord, and that really hindered my worship to the Lord because I was always concerned about what I looked like and what I sounded like when worshiping the Lord. And when I look back now, I realize how, to how toxic that was to never fully express your thankfulness to the Lord because we're so worried about what are people going to say about me. What's the Lord going to say about you, though? That should be our number one thought when it comes to worship is, God, it's you and me. And I'm singing to you. And I'm lifting my hands to you, and I'm bowing down to you. And there comes a point when 
you get set free and you get delivered from self. And that's one of the most freeing things that any believer could ever experience is when God sets you free from other people. And you're no longer concerned. I mean, look at David dancing undignified for the Lord. And even his own wife came against him and said, you look like a fool. And he said, I'll look even more like a fool before the Lord. And he just didn't care, you know. And um, I think in all honesty, when I read the word and when I see something like, you know, Omaha and Waterloo and, and we're praying or crying out for revival or we're wanting to see a move of God in the city, but we're, we're kind of like sitting on the bench of Christianity and we're like, yeah, God, go ahead and move, do your thing. And we're expecting other people to like rise up and go into the city. And then when the fire starts, then we're like, yeah, okay, now I can get in on this. But, like, it's going to take a group of people and a generation to get off the bench of Christianity when God has called you to get into the game. And he has called us all to rise up and, and worship him and, and search him and, and, and seek him with everything we have. And if we really want to see a change in the cities and our neighborhoods, it's going to require you to be set free from one yourself and two other people. And to worship him freely and to speak boldly without fear of offending anyone. We do it in love. You know, we're not aggressive or we're not rude, but we can be bold about it. And you can preach and teach in the most loving perfect way and I guarantee there will be someone who still gets offended by you why because truth will always offend the flesh every single time the way of the kingdom will always agitate the way of the world because the world says live your best life now do what makes you happy and that is so toxic that is so not the kingdom don't do what makes you happy. Do what this tells us, what the Lord calls us to do. And I just, I, I feel a, a, such a stirring on my heart. You know, you give me a microphone and I just want to go, you know. And that could be very dangerous for some of you guys. Um, but I promise I won't. There, there's a message that has been stirring in me that I, I want to share and lay out before you. And then afterwards, um, I, wanna, I feel like the Lord was, was wanting to do something. But um, so, yeah, there is a worship that God is looking for in people. And I really, once we get to this, this place of freedom before the Lord, I guarantee you'll begin to see the city shift, your family shift around you. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The kids are getting it. Man, but, uh, man, we had a, a women's thing last night. Amen. Uh, raise your hand if you went, if you were there. Amen. Was it good? 
I was there for a little bit setting up and kind of wanted to hang out in the back and see what was going on, but no, no guys allowed. But uh, is there any, uh, do we have any testimonies from last night that anybody wants to share? Um, yeah. Yeah? You want, you want to sit right there or you want to come up here? You come up? I know you don't need a microphone. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> she got that God-given voice right there. So much of like the Lord broke off, like even being in this family body, like there are so many things breaking off of me and completely set free and walking in the freedom of Jesus. And oh, I'm going to cry. I feel like the Lord smacking me in the face with his love. But it was like I was marked even more by the Lord last night. And I was just like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I get to come and just like sit with the women of God and young ladies and just like allow him a minister to us but I was on my face because I was like Lord you're just so good and I was all snot nosed you know I don't care how I look when it comes down to the Lord but it was just like Lord thank you thank you to hear like Cindy and Jill share like all the things that the Lord has did and just the generations coming together it just blesses my heart and I was just like I was like Lord thank you that you placed me here because I never thought I would be able to get to like have a family like this and so, like, I was like, Lord, I didn't even, like, like, because in the past it used to be hard for me to speak through what I go through. And, like, the Lord, like, literally, like, showed me how much I'm healthy. Like, I'm really healthy in the Lord and being able to, like, speak through things and, and like, because I get choked up and sometimes my words get away from me or I don't say it right. And, and the Lord is like, that's not what it was about. Like, and he was just, like, ministering to my heart and, like, I'm having a soft heart and sensitive and always vulnerable and not be like, Lord, but did I do this right now, right? And it just was, I didn't even have to worry about that. It was just amazing to all of us to come together and just be unified in the body as women of children of God and be like, hey, we have all different gifts that the Lord brought to the table in the kingdom of God. And yes, we are different, but the Lord said we play a different role in the kingdom and we need each other. Right, we need each other, and the Lord even reconnected me with my sister in Christ. That literally back then I was unhealthy, so I was like, the Lord was healing me, so I separated myself to being healed. And I was like, sis, please forgive me if I didn't give you my new number. You know, I love you so much. You know, and and she was like, sis, I'm not even worried about that. I'm just happy that I I'm like being able to be reunited with you. And so, like, the Lord just showed me, Sharif, you're, like, healthy. You're healthy. The old person used to be, like, you were going through all that trauma that I set you free from and healed you. So it's, like, all, a lot of parts of me was being healed by the Lord. But at that time, I couldn't speak about because I was going through depression and sadness and just so much stuff. And the Lord just, like, showed me how much I'm walking in freedom. So I'm just grateful to be here because I never thought I would be able to get here. You know, so it feels good. It feels good. Like the love of Jesus, he sets us free. Come on. Amen. We can just go home right now. <laughs> uh, any other testimonies from the women who were there last night? No? You, okay. You, you want to stand up, though, at least, where you are, so we know who's talking? <laughs> 
Amen. Amen. Cindy and Jill, you guys realize how cool you guys are? I know you didn't ask for this, but who does, though, really? I mean, you know, praise God. No, we, so last week, if you were here, uh, when we have uh, some of those who came up and, and shared wisdom with us who had been uh, following the Lord for decades, it was such a blessing to, uh, to, to hear that and to see that. And I want you guys to understand how blessed we are here to have so many amazing men and women of God um, to pour into us who have been there, who've done it, uh, who may even not even done it that well, but now they can raise up a generation to do it right because they experienced it the wrong way. Uh, but just so amazing of the, the, the men and women that we have. And so I know the women's, what was awesome last night, my wife was telling me about it, uh, men, Man, we gotta step it up, you know. These these women, they are on fire for the Lord. And uh, you know, my wife, I can't, you know, I'm not allowed to be anything but excited for the Lord. Uh, she will set me straight in such an amazing way. Um, for you single guys, Hispanic ladies, something special about the Hispanics. Um, they you know, the Lord, the Lord knows, you know what you need. The Lord knows, no, you know what you want. The Lord knows what you need, though. So, yeah, what she said. Amen. So, yeah, no, praise God. Uh, women's thing uh, is awesome. Heard so many amazing things about what happened last night. So, yeah, um, well, next, until next time, for those who missed it, but I encourage you guys um, to be paying attention to the events and stuff. And men, we'll have to get something together. Uh, we, were, we were joking because they were decorating the tables with flowers and stuff. I'm like, man, a men's gathering would be so different. You just throw some beef jerky and energy drinks on the table, and we're like, yeah, this will entertain us for hours, and we're just going to worship and praise the Lord and, and eat beef jerky. I'm like, what more could you ask for, honestly? So, yeah, see what happens when Nick's not here. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we'll go ahead and kind of press into to, um, to what I feel on my heart. It's not going to take very long, but I really want to encourage you guys uh, this morning about our response to the Lord. This is uh, uh, something I wrote down last night, and it kind of just, the Holy Spirit began to move and kind of catapulted into this message. But I wrote down, I think the only appropriate response to a God who gave us everything is in return, give him everything in every aspect of our lives. And so when it comes to the gospel being preached and when it comes to us giving our lives to Christ, it's important for us to understand what that entails. What does it mean to give your life to Christ? Well, it's just that. You literally give him everything in response to a God who gave everything to have you. And there's this, this aspect where when we understand what he did for us, we will happily give up everything to obtain him in every aspect of him. And so I want to challenge you guys today because you could be examining yourself and realizing that maybe there are some areas that you haven't fully given over to the Lord. Or maybe you have received what the Bible says, uh, talks about another gospel which is the partial gospel where it says that you can accept Jesus but still have part of your old life 
and play. And in reality, that's not, that's not what giving your life to Christ is. And some people will call that legalism. No, I say that's, that's love. The express and response to true love is to say, God, you saved me from an eternity in hell. And in response, when I give my life to you, that's just what I'm going to do is that every aspect of my life I give to you. And so uh, there's a, a passage in Matthew 16, if you guys want to turn to. Matthew 16, verse 13. And FYI, you might hear me whenever I'm up here talk about the same things over and over and over again, like the same scriptures a lot of the times. It's just because how many of you guys hear something like, I remember just telling my friend a hundred times of the scripture, and then someone else comes along and tells him once, and he's like, ah, oh, yes. And I'm like, but I've told you that a hundred times. But it's one of those things where sometimes you need to hear it a lot in order you to finally get that revelation. And so, yeah, I just, there's so much in the Bible, but I'm going to be repetitive to you guys because I want you to get this. Amen? Matthew 16, verse 13. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verses 15, but who do you say I am? He says, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So stop right there. Jesus says, hey, who, who do people say I am? And they say, well, some people say this and some people say that. And then the question of a lifetime comes when he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what this person says or this person says, but who is, who do you say the Son of Man is? Who is Jesus? To you, And this isn't an opportunity where you create your own Jesus, but you to identify who Jesus is. And this question, the way you answer it, is the way that you will live your life out for the Lord. Understand that. Because if you view God in a certain way that is not his character, his will, if you've taken bad experiences with, with fathers in the real world, and you apply it to the Lord... And you're always afraid of him because the way that your earthly father treated you, now you put that picture on God, and that's how he is. Then everything you say and everything you do will stem from a, a faulty image of who Christ is, who God is. And so it's, it's important for us to answer this question today and be honest with ourselves. And if it's off, if you maybe you have a different image of who God is and what his desire and his will is for your life, then it's a good day to sit before the Lord and say, God, every picture I have of you that is not scripture, not biblical, that is not of you, Lord, please just take it away. I want to see you rightly, Lord. I want to see you for who you truly, truly are and how much you care for me and how much you love me. And I want to see the full picture of the cross. What did you do on that cross really for me? And he says in verse 17, Jesus replied, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he's saying that a lot of the times... Even with the Catholic Church, they have, they have placed the fact that, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. He's not building the church on Peter. He's building the church off of the revelation that Peter had. He's building the church based off of the revelation of that you are the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the church will be built off of that revelation right there. And it says that when that church is built off of that revelation, then the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you see how important this is, that he's not building his church on a man, but the revelation of Christ. And so a church who doesn't have a full revelation of Christ is a church that can't withstand the gates of hell. And so I want to talk about our response today. And I did this study where I began to kind of look through the the Old Testament of the different kings that came to power. And if you've read the Old Testament, then you know that there were some kings that came into power who were terrible kings. And some kings who came into power who were for the Lord, who did right in the eyes of God. And the kings that I've researched and pointed out who did good things for the Lord were Asa and 1 Kings 15. So write this down. And you guys can study it. I'm not going to go through all these scriptures, but you guys can read it and study it. King Asa, 1 Kings 15. King Josiah. King Josiah and 2 Kings 23. Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20. And the one I'm going to talk about today is Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, in 2 Chronicles 23. Hezekiah, 2 Chronicles 23. So you got Asa, 1 Kings 15, Josiah, 2 Kings 23, Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, and Hezekiah, 2 Chronicles 23. So for the sake of, of time... We're just going to go over, well, you know what? I'm just going to explain it to you real quick. This will be your guys' homework. Make sure that you're reading your Bible outside of church, amen? And then I want to report back to me next week at least three pages of what you got from it, amen? Second Chronicles 23, so Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, so he comes into power. And at this time in his, in his life, it's like 300 years after King David. And so at this moment in time, the temple is sitting unused. In fact, they're actually using it for storage pretty much. All the musical instruments are in there. It hasn't been touched. And if you understand the history is out of all the tribes, the tribe of Levi was the tribe that God set aside. He said, you know, I'll I'll give all the tribes inheritance of land except you, And he said, for the tribe of Levi, I'll be your inheritance. He was going to use them as the priests coming in. And so 
Hezekiah, when he becomes king, he's 25 years old. And all the kings before him have been setting up idols, worshiping pagan gods, doing all these crazy things and sexual immorality. And they forgot about the ways of the Lord. And so Hezekiah comes in at age 25. Is anybody 25 in here? Dylan? It's your time to shine, bro. Come on. So he's like Dylan's age, and he comes in, and he sees the disaster that God's people have gotten themselves into. And so he begins to do three things. The scripture says he'd done three things. The first thing, he says that he tore down all the high alt altars in the high places, which means in the surrounding area, in the mountains, that they built these altars to worship and sacrifice to pagan gods. And so his first order of business was to go and tear down the altars. And then he goes and says, we're going to tear down the Asherahs, which were actually like these wooden carved images that had to do with like deities, sexual morality, and stuff like that. He tore those down and got rid of them completely. And the third thing I thought was extremely interesting was he broke the bronze serpent. Anyone remember that? Is the bronze serpent was in the Israelites in the wilderness when they sinned, these snakes came out and they started biting them. And so God had Moses, put, he formed a bronze serpent and raised it in the air. And anyone who looked at it would be healed. So this thing was still around and people, God's people began to worship it. And I know you guys are thinking, that's crazy. Why would anyone do that? History tends to repeat itself, guys. It's still happening today just in different forms. Something that God once used as a way to bring healing or restoration has now become an idol to God's people. So now instead of worshiping the healer, they worship the item that God used to bring healing. So remember that. So he shattered that to pieces. He said, we're not going to worship this anymore. So then he demanded the Levites. He said, cleanse yourself and go into the temple and begin to cleanse the temple. Bring out all the instruments. We're going to turn this baby around, back for the Lord. And so it's so interesting as you read this chapter, you see just so much reformation that Hezekiah brings back to God's people. And so one thing that I had on my heart as I began to read this was, this is and should be the response of every person who gives their life to Christ. Is that we give our lives to Christ and we immediately begin to target the things of darkness in our lives. We begin to throw out the things that are not of the Lord. We begin to break down altars in our life that we built up when we were in the world. And those things that we worshiped, that we thought were good, God says, I want you to tear it all down and break it. Because you're mine now. And the only thing that you should be a part of is the kingdom of light and not the kingdom of darkness. And so what this looks like is, it looks like extreme Christianity, which some people label as legalism. How many of you have ever been called too much in here by other believers? Yeah, that's been like me and Leanna's life for a long time. And this is not like to toot our own horn or anything. This has just kind of been something that we've navigated through because there's times when you understand and get a revelation of who God is and what he did for you, your response is, like I said, I'm going to give you everything, God. 
I want to talk about you. I want to I think about you. I want to read about you. I want to worship you. I want to I sing about you, God. I, everything I do, I want to do it for you because of what you did for me. And you'll have those people whose fires have grown dim. And they'll see your fire burning bright. And instead of saying, hey, let me catch fire, they'll say, man, you're making me uncomfortable. And so they'll try to get your fire to dim down to their level instead of trying to get their fire to burn brighter up to yours. And so they'll say things like, man, you don't need to do all that for the Lord. He loves you. Man, you don't need to go to all, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to read your Bible that much, man. You don't need to talk about, I, I had a phone call with a, a good friend of mine in California, and he was saying that he was talking with, and, and this is like God's been restoring them so much to the point where like he is more on fire than he ever has been in his entire life. And he's sitting down with a leader in the church, and the, the guy's like, so what do you like to do for fun? And he's like, man, I love to read the Bible. I love to talk about what God's doing. I love to worship. And the guy was like, no, but like, what do you, like, okay, like, we're not in church right now. You can tell me, like, what other things do you like to do? And he's like, that's it. I love to do that. Like, that's where I get my joy from, you know? And he was just like, kind of just like, okay, like, it's so weird. Like, why can't we be excited about something like that? Like, if someone says, that's what I do, be like, wow, praise God, let's talk about what the Lord is doing. And you want to know why sometimes we don't want to talk about what the Lord is doing? Because he's not doing much in our lives. Because we're not doing much for him. Can I be honest with you guys today? Can I, like, maybe stir the pot a little bit? You know, before you decide to, to leave, just come talk to me after service, okay? I'm going to have to explain to Nick why there's people not coming back. But, but that's okay because we want to be a people with extreme responses to an extreme God. Amen? And so with, with this is, you know, I think of, like, you know, Callie's testimony when, when she was into all this new age stuff and these crystals and healing crystals and all this stuff. Uh, she's come up here and tell it about it before. But what was your response, Callie, to the Lord when, he, when you were, like, set free? Yeah, it was the coolest thing in the world. And, and she started getting rid of all of her stuff. Anything that pertained to the old life. She's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so you see this response with Hezekiah. Is that he comes in and says, I don't want anything to do with pagan traditions. I don't want anything to do with anything that is not of the Lord. And so he cleanses the temple. Goes to the city. Begins to wipe out all the pagan uh, idols and the, 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 the idol worship and, and everything. And there's something that he does. And so it says in there that he was righteous like King David was. And so he was in remembrance of what King David did. Remember I explained to you as he brought the ark back to the city. He said, in the reign of Saul, we never once pursued the presence of God. But now that I'm king, that's the first order of business is that we're bringing the presence back. And that's what he did. He brought the presence back, and he celebrated because of the presence. And so Hezekiah gets everything cleansed, and he goes out and he invites the, the leaders, and they actually do worship for the Lord. That was his biggest thing, is that King David, when he brought the ark back, like Moses, God told Moses to build him a tabernacle. 
But David decided on his own, as he's sitting in his palace and the ark is sitting in a tent, he said, God, I want to build you something. How can I live here when your presence is in a tent? And he decided, and God didn't provoke him or ask him to. David said, God, I want to honor you for how you honored me. I want to build you a temple. I want to build you a place that's much better than a place that I live in. And so you see this response as these good kings come in and take power is that their first order of business was, God, I want to bring things back. I want to reform things back to the way that you desired it, to where we were honoring you and worshiping you. And so that's what he did. And, and so out of all the kings, Hezekiah sticks out to me the most. And even non-kings like Gideon, who God called him. And the first order of business he did was he went, I think it was in the middle of the night, and started tearing down all the pagan idols in the city that his fathers had put up. And the next morning, everyone was mad. But it's like, that was, that was such a natural response. And I see in the word is like, God didn't necessarily ask them as we read that was like their first response to a good God, to a holy God, to a righteous God, to a just God, was, God, you give me life. I'm going around. I'm going to tear down the altars in the high places that don't belong to you. And so as I'm reading that, I'm just like, God, like, can we be a people who respond like that? And then the question is, why are people not responding like that? You know, and there's statistics out and studies from the year 2020 to now where it says like 20 million plus Christians have went from being active believers to uh, non-believers at all. They don't even believe anymore. Then there's an additional 20 plus million on top of that that went from being active Christians, read, worship, pray regularly, to non-active Christians where they don't read, pray, worship regularly, but if you backed them in the corner and asked them if they were Christians, they said, yeah. So over the course of 24 years, you have over 40 million believers who have went from believing to backsliding, or not believing at all, or being active in pursuing the Lord to no longer pursuing the Lord like they did. And so you've got to ask yourself, why? What, what caused that? Were they even saved in the first place? You know, that, were they excited as Mark 4, the four souls say, where they received the word with joy, but because they didn't have a foundation, whenever the first trial or, or whatever came, persecution came, they, they fell away because they didn't have a foundation? You know, to me, I read that and I, I, I put the responsibility on myself because it's our job as believers when we explain the gospel in full and we begin to disciple people that we build a foundation up that we help them build their foundation. We lay the foundation of Jesus Christ. And then you got to ask, are we building proper foundations in people's lives? Are we helping them build proper foundations? So these are just questions that I think about when I hear stuff like that. But to me, I use the example all the time of like, let's say, Leanne and I. And say I stand before her on our wedding day. And I give my vows to her. And say, every other woman is dead to me. And then I'm coming into covenant with you. And I'm, 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 I'm giving you me. I'm saying, it's you and me and the Lord. That's it. 
And then we get married, and then I, I, I talk to her like once a week. Like I see her around the house, I'm like, hey, hey, babe. We don't sit down for dinner, we don't talk. We don't have intimate conversations, we don't have just the, the intimate moments of a husband and a wife. And what if I only came to her when I wanted something? And then as soon as I got it, I just went back to my normal ways. It sounds crazy, right? For any married couple in here, is that ridiculous? Would you call that a marriage? Like, what do you think you're, uh, not a good one. Husbands, what, what would your wife say if that was you? A lot. She would not be happy. Or she wouldn't say anything, and that's even worse. And you're like, oh, I am definitely in, in deep doo-doo now. She's not even talking to me. Like, that's when you know it's gone too far. But, like, you look at that and you say, what would you say? That's an unhealthy marriage. That doesn't make any sense to me. You need counseling. You need something. You need to get delivered. I don't know. There's something that's not right. But how does, how does the Bible describe us and God, the church and God? There's a bride and a bridegroom that enters into covenant. And that us giving our lives to God is like us giving our vows to him. And he already gave us his vows. And we give our vows, say, God, I give my life to you, and these are my vows to you, is that I'm yours, and you are mine. And then we say, oh, man, we get so excited, and we're on our honeymoon, and then what happens? Christ comes in the room, and we just say, hey, hey, Jesus. And then when we want something because we need a breakthrough, we run to Christ. Oh, I love you so much. I love you so much. Oh, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. And then you get it, and you're just like, that was great. And then we go right back to ignoring our spouse or our Jesus, our Savior. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But that's, that can be us. A lot of the times that is us. And so I just, want to, I just want to challenge you guys and encourage you guys today because like Christ is our, our bridegroom, gave us everything and, and gave us the vow that he would never leave us and never forsake us. And then in return, we give him half of our lives. And so I, today... As we take this time, uh, maybe we can, does someone have uh, some, uh, some worship music that we can put on, plug in? You do? Okay, Cody. Um, you know, I want us to be honest with ourselves and, and um, look to Jesus as, his, as his, he's our husband. And, and how are we fellowshipping with him how are we communicating with him how are we, are we are we being intimate do we have intimate moments alone time with him and are we pursuing him with everything we have because it's interesting because like when people date man they'll travel eight hours just to see you for an hour and then when you finally have that person contentment sets in and you're just like okay and that was fun <laughs> 
That can happen to any one of us. And so I want to encourage you guys to just, just take some time here, just between you and the Lord. Examine your walk. Examine your life before him. And be real and honest with yourself. So you don't have to go around and, and whisper to your neighbor and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so far off. But just between you and the Lord. And ask the Lord to show you maybe any areas that you have not fully given over. And maybe you haven't, maybe you just need to rededicate yourself today. Like truly give your life to him before people and repent, and, and be baptized, and, and just surrender everything at the altar to him. But our response to him should be like that in the kings, where it's like, any ounce of my old life, I don't want any part of it anymore. It's done. And God, I give you the vow, and I dedicate myself to you fully. Be holy as he is holy. Thank you, CJ, for that. Um, to keep, keep that going, I, I think there's a, what CJ was talking about with this, this marriage piece, it sounds so ridiculous, that's, that's more real than, than we want to admit sometimes. It's this, what he was describing with marriage and like honeymoon and everything's good and then you, you get done with the honeymoon, you go back to the reality of, of life and this, this separation, it's this piece of, it wasn't, it wasn't true love. It was a fake love that did not last. And, and what, what this is saying is, Jesus, I want to know true love. I want to know true love and what it actually looks like and means. And that is Jesus on a cross. This is the revelation CJ is talking about. Is I have to have this revelation of true love and what that looks like and means. So I can live in that forever. And so as, as we're, I've done this numerous times. I feel like CJ repeating stuff. I love, I love worship. I love a song. And there's so much truth to this. And I think it's, as you were talking, man, I couldn't get this off my heart. But it's, it's, it's NBL worship and it's never lose my fire. It's this, it's this love piece. This, Lord, I, I want this love to just burn inside of me that I never want to lose. Continue to fill my lamp up with oil, Lord, because I, I want this love to just, to just bust out that I have to get up here and I have to speak of, of that love and what it's done for me and how it set me free. And it's this part, like what you said was, I didn't ask for this, but the Lord gave it to me and he says, I want you to take it and go. And so in this song, it says, I don't want to live for just a ticket to heaven. Because he died for so much more than checking boxes in religion. And I want you guys to know these lyrics and these, these words because there's so much truth to it. But as we're worshiping, you could sing them and you, you know they're real. They're not just words on a page, but this is, this is our hearts or should be our hearts. If it's not, we got to check ourselves. And it says, till the day I die, I want to know you more. I don't want to live for just a, I don't want to live for just a back when I was your age. Talking about the Lord like I'm talking about the old days. Till the race is finished, I won't stop running. 
No matter how old I get, this heart won't grow numb, no way. Forever all my days, worthy of wonder, I'll sing. No matter how much I've seen, there's always so much more for me. Forever all my days, worthy of wonder, I'll sing. The American dream just isn't for me, because there's so much more living for eternity. Complacent and comfortable won't be my story. I'm not going to burn out. I'll keep my oil in my lamp every single day full of more reverence. Oh, it never gets old. It's glory to glory. No matter how old I get, this heart won't grow numb, no way. Forever, all of my days, worthy of wonder, I'll sing. And it gets into the kind of the piece of like, I'll never lose my fire. I'll never lose my passion. You're too beautiful for that to happen. It's what I, what I stood up here at the very beginning talking about was this remembrance. Lord, you're too beautiful. What you did is too good for me to lose this. And I'm going to continue to remember that. So as we, as we play this song, is that okay? As we play this song, I, I, want, I want to worship into this, this heart of, of, of fire, Lord. Burn, burn inside of me, Lord, this love that changes lives that we got to hear of. <laughs> That's exactly it. And so, yeah, I'm going I'm to throw this on and I, I, just, I just pray we worship to this. Thank you, Lord. I just wanted to encourage anyone, if you want to come up, like just to remove the awkwardness, like you can come up. Um, I know that it's not like normal where we don't have a worship band up here and all that, but I remember Francis Chan sharing when he went to Africa and it was just a small group of them worshiping and it was all out of tune and they didn't have instruments or anything, but it was the most beautiful worship because it was from their heart. And for America, we're so blessed that sometimes it's like a curse. Because if we don't have all the right things, we're like, oh, this is awkward, this is weird, but it's not about us. And then it's not shame or condemnation on you, it's just the way that we've been accustomed. But that we would just get rid of that, get rid of all that awkwardness of like, oh, this is so weird. Like, no, God, this is for you. Even if it's out of tune, even if we don't have the instruments and the lights and the music, like, it's worship. And if all of this was removed, do we have true worship to God? Do you know how to worship God without music? Do you know how to sing a song to him? Because other people in other countries don't even have the ability of that anymore because they're underground. So if we don't get this, if we don't understand this, God's inviting us in this moment to worship him in a way of sacrifice, of going beyond what we feel so i just encourage you to really come up it's not about like oh it would be better if you came up like no this is your worship to god this is your sacrifice like he gave everything for us we could come before him and give him this he's worthy those who are down here you can stay and continue to worship those um, I will ask if anyone is in need of prayer um, we'd love to pray for you down here uh, if you have to go I understand um, if you want to stay and continue to minister to the Lord you can do that as well so if you need prayer just please come forward if if not then you are dismissed 
just want to pray for you guys real quick. We just say, Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we magnify you here today. Lord, we just pray that this was pleasing to you, God. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. I pray, Father God, that we be a people who leave here today. That this stays planted in our hearts, Lord. That we be a people who give you everything. Display your fire and your love and your goodness, Lord. And we are atmosphere changers by the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit in us, Lord. I just pray against any depression and anxiety, any plans of the enemy to try to isolate any one of you guys in this place, to try to isolate you away, to push you away from the very place or the very people that God has called you to be a part of, Lord. We just break the plans of the enemy in Jesus' mighty name. We say, God, have your way in these people, Lord. There'll be such a surrender and such a, a sacrifice, Father God, dying to self. And Lord, you say, be with them, guide them, and lead them as they leave here today, Lord. Speak to them in a way that they never heard your voice. We thank you for freedom in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Also, correction for myself here. Uh, uh, Hezekiah is in 2 Chronicles 29, not 23. I uh, wrote that down wrong. Uh, I wasn't teaching uh, something else. But 2 Chronicles 29 is Hezekiah, the story of Hezekiah. So, yeah.